Welcome to another episode of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Well, welcome to the Week Pastors Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. <laughs> and I don't know why Sue is laughing, but for some reason, she just can't stop laughing. And so, you know, uh, I'm a little hurt, but we're going to see what happens today as we talk about blind spots. But anyway, thank you so much for joining us. We are so grateful. Uh, Sue and I have been really blessed by the outpouring of support. So blessed. Your comments, your feedback, all of that stuff. So we do want to really thank you for listening uh, we want to just continue to encourage us, interact with us. If there are topics you want to hear from us, we'd love to hear that, and we would do our best to maybe cover it. Uh, but yeah, please, please uh, continue to interact with us, and we will really thank you for well, that. I just wanted to uh, thank all of the supporters who have called in and messaged me saying they also have the hots for Lester Holt. Um, this means a lot to <laughs> me. I really appreciate your support. Oh yeah, okay. I'm not gonna say I can't. I can't say anything because you know he is. He is a. He is a very uh, articulate man. Well, I feel very and, affirmed uh, I will, by all of the support I will just, regarding yeah, Lester Holt specifically. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'm gonna plead the fifth on that one now. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna continue. But uh, but yeah, and Lester Holt. I just want you to know there are a lot of Asian women that think you're pretty hot. So um, they were not just Asian women. There were also non-Asian women. Oh really? It's a universal oh. appeal. There's a universal. Universal. Yeah. Oh Lester. Yeah. My goodness and you know he, he should be sending us some money for this <laughs> anyway uh so yeah so you know before a podcast we usually like to before we get into a topic we usually talk uh share like a question and yes, i know so you have something you have, have something that you're going to kind of lead us in today yeah. so go for it i mean let's not like you know hype it up too much it's a very straightforward question but i thought it would be kind of funny um so pastor peter what is the worst haircut that you've ever had Oh man, that is so easy. <laughs> that is so easy. Oh, you have one. I feel like I everybody several. has something. Oh, you have several. I have okay, several. Okay, do tell. Do tell. Okay, so when I was younger, uh, you know, my mama, we were too poor to go to barbershop, so my mother <laughs> would cut my hair, and uh, it was awful. She didn't know how to cut hair. She had no business cutting people's hair, <laughs> but she, you know, because my hair is so straight, yeah. she didn't know how to fade well. And so that would be bad. But then like when she would cut the front, like my bangs, she would literally just cut straight across like that. And when I would go to school, I mean, I, I perpetuated the Asian stereotype and I, the kids in the school would say, yeah, people, kids in the school would be like, they'll close their eyes and they'll be like, hey, where's my mom's bowl? Where's my mom's bowl? Oh, there's my mom's bowl. And then they would say stuff like that. We're it gonna was have horrible. To have some pictures on our website it was to go with horrible. this episode. It was absolutely horrible. So anyway, that was it. So when I started getting uh, cuts by a, by a barber, I started spiking up my hair so that yes. my bangs wouldn't come down like that anymore. So I did that. But probably the worst haircut I've gotten as an adult, I just got to Fuller. I just moved to, uh, from New Jersey to California, to Pasadena, California, and I need to get a haircut. And I didn't know where to go. Um, so I decided just to go to a local place. It was uh, was know, it super it was, cuts? Uh, Tell us, was it? It super wasn't cuts? a super cuts. Okay. It was uh, it was uh, a Latino woman. Okay, and she was like a block away from the house. And I was like, well, let me give her a shot. The thing about Asian hair is that <laughs> it's so straight. Yes, Asian hair is super straight. So you need to know how to fade yep. it up well. Yep. She didn't know how to do it, and she, she kept <laughs> like she would cut it, shave it, and then she would cut it, and she couldn't fade it, and she kept going. By the time she was done, I was up to here. Did you have the high and stupid? Isn't this and, what the military oh, haircut? High and stupid. And then she said to me, she's like, she said like under her breath, she goes, I, they, I think she's like, oh, yes, <laughs> she said something like that. 
And I'm looking at her. I'm like, yeah, I know, but this is not your hair. This is my hair. And I went home that day. I was I was mortified. I looked at my hair and I was like, there's nothing you can do about it. She just kept cutting. She just kept cutting. She just kept fading higher and higher and higher and higher till there was nothing else she could do. And she had the audacity of charging me money for it. And I had to pay her for that service. Did you pay her? Of course I paid her. I had to. I mean, I didn't know what else to do. And then when Jenny came home from work, she could not stop laughing. It was the funniest thing for her because she oh, just man, could I wish not had believe a it. Oh, no, 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 no. So you know what I did? You know, the only way I could offset that, I slicked my hair off. All the way back, like, like all, all the way back. back. Yeah, like like, like in like, the Godfather, like, a, like those yeah, Italians. Like the Godfather, Al Pacino, all the way back. Like, just gelled it back like that, and Stop that's the only it. way. That's the only way I could kind of, you know, kind of like deal with it. And then until it grew back, and then from that point on, I said, okay, I need to always go to a Korean barber or you know, beautician to do it because they understand who knows Korean what hair. I mean, yeah, that Korean hair is a very hair. distinct, coarse straight hair it shows Super. every imperfection even for women's hair like yep. it shows every imperfection so wavy hair i feel like if, if it's like a little bit imperfect it kind of just blends in oh absolutely. But korean hair there is no blending in you know every yep. little thing will stick out it's terrible right 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 unforgiving hair we have unforgiving, unforgiving hair. hair unforgiving hair well what yeah, about well, you have you ever gotten a bad haircut you, oh yeah i've had so, you know and you know i am one of those um people that can't complain and so i'll be sitting there and the lady will be like do you love it and inside i'm <laughs> crying but i'm like it's Wait, great it's but what was great. so bad about it well Wait, this so particular okay so i'll tell you about one of them okay yes, you have something to say no, no i just i struggle because if you had long hair and you just cut a little bit of the long hair like it's you could hardly tell the difference oh no i will tell you so this one was when i was in college and i decided okay. i wanted to do something different i, I, I just i don't want this the trim. Is, I this to do is when you different. said i no longer want to use hair clips those hair i no longer want anymore, to right? have okay. artificial hair on my head i want to be be genuine and authentic with my hair okay. so i decided to get bangs this is, this is a thing for women, you know, should I get bangs? Should I not get bangs? It's like to be mm. or not to be. It's like a serious yeah. um, existential problem for women. And so I know all of you ladies listening can identify, um, but I decided I'm going to go for it. I'm going to get the bangs and I'm going to get the full on Cleopatra bangs, like the thick nice. blunt bangs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I get it. Um, didn't look great, but you know, I'm like, maybe I just need to get some, get used to it. Right. It, it yeah. looked okay, but here's the funny story that goes with it. So this is when I was at NYU and I was commuting. It was a Friday. I was going back home that weekend. So I was at the Port Authority bus station and my dad and I used to take the same bus, right? Okay. So 167. So I'm, I see my dad online. So I was like, oh, look, it's my dad. So I walk over to him. I go, Appa, which is like dad in Korea, right? Appa. And then my dad looks at me with like this fearful look and he goes, who are you? <laughs> Recognize no me. way. He, in Korean, he said, Nuguseo. No way. No way. That, what that means in Korean he, is, who are you? He literally <laughs> like, who are you? Like, he genuinely didn't recognize his own daughter um, because of my Cleopatra hair. Okay. Um, so that much of a difference, huh? For him to notice. For, yeah, like, I mean, not notice who you are. Yeah, it was suffice to say, That's I mean, amazing. he probably was terrified because he was like, who is this random lady who's calling me Appa? <laughs> You know, it's like, who are you? Wow! But it was so. Terrible. So, what can I ask? Can I ask another follow-up question to that? Sure. Uh, not not pertaining to hair, but oh, okay. um, you you grew up your life with guys liking you a lot. What's defined yes. a lot? Well, I mean, just I mean, 
you grew up in school, like, you know, guys are like, hey, I like you. I think well, you're pretty, whatever. Let's go on yeah, a date. I, mean, I, I wasn't like. Have you ever struggled to, like, yeah. date a guy? What does that mean? Struggle to date a guy? Like, like, did you date in high school? Like, did guys come up to you? Like, when you were growing up throughout your life, did guys How have does to this say, segue did guys from like a haircut? I just How wanted to know. This, I just, like, I just, just want to somehow, I just thought about that with the haircut. So, like, you know, like, were you afraid that once you got those bangs, because for you, it was not, you didn't like it. Did you feel like, oh, no, like, what? oh, no, like, guys are going to think I'm, I'm not as pretty okay, as, Okay, so you know, I will tell you this. Um, I was not one of those girls that every guy adored. Like, I can name you the names of the girls that the guys loved. I was not one of those. Okay. Um, however, I was also not somebody who I think was never liked. Okay. And I... Once my brother and I had a conversation um, when I was, I think, like in my 20s, looking back and he's and I said to him, I said, I have never in my life really thought about being an attractive person. Like I did not go through high school thinking I'm a pretty person. And my brother said to me, he said, that's because you're not an ugly person. And he said, mm. if you thought of yourself as an ugly person, you would have been very aware of being an ugly person. And he said, the fact that you never had to think about it means you were very privileged. Um because those who are not privileged, we are very like you're very aware of that. So yeah. that was a very interesting conversation that I've thought about. Uh, because yeah, I've never gone through school thinking like I'm such an attractive person, everybody loves me. But I didn't also think like oh nobody loves me. Like this was not like a thing I thought about all the time. It wasn't really a thing that really bothered me or affected me in any way. And you know what? Maybe yeah. he's right. Maybe it was because I was somewhat yeah privileged. But I will tell you one time I was I cut my hair. I had hair up to my like really, really, really long hair. And the day before graduation, I chopped it off to my chin. And one of my brother's Whoa. friends, one of my brother's friends apparently said to my brother, wow, what a downgrade. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, but you know what? We can't make these decisions based on how other people are going to feel about us. We got to do do what we want. You know, you, you got to do, do you. You, you know, you, you got to do, do you. Yeah, yeah you got to yeah, try I, it out. I had the opposite experience from you. Um, I, I didn't really grow up. Girls never really liked me. Um, Are you and sure? I think, yeah, I'm positive. Girls dig tall guys. Uh, but I was tall and grotesquely skinny. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I'm going to show you a photo. Did you see that photo that Anthony Coppola posted? On, I did uh, not. On, but I, didn't you say that when you were a wrestler, the spandex was loose on you? Very loose. Yeah. Very loose. Here. Can you see that? This is not fair because I'm, oh... Oh my! Oh my! So oh my! So I'm about I'm about oh six my. in that photo. I'm about six one oh and about a hundred and probably twenty five hundred thirty pounds. Look at you so, in Nike. Yeah. So no, uh, no girls ever liked me. And, you know, I went to an all white neighborhood, white school, and just you know, I mean, Asian men in the '80s, we were so emasculated, and uh, I just don't think you know girls really liked you know white girls. And no offense to the white women out there, but I don't think if you're in your 40s and late 40s, you never thought about, oh, I want to date an Asian dude. I think we and I think part of that is how actually part of that is podcast. how society portrayed us. Yep, you know, they yep. you know they emasculated men, and uh, it was hard. You know, like because you know white girls, I I loved white girls growing up, and I was like, oh, I wish they liked me, but nobody. Yeah. And you know, there was one girl I felt I, uh, when I was in sixth, fifth grade. I kind of really this is my this is my crush. It was like my first love. Did she I look like? Was she the spitting image of Alyssa Milano? No, she had blonde hair, blue eyes. Her name was Sunny Triscalo. I still well, Sunny, remember. Sunny, if you're name. listening, you missed out. Sunny, if you're listening, you got to reach out, okay? Sunny Triscalo. Excuse uh, me, why do you need her to reach out? I don't know. I don't know. I just. It just Jenny Ann is listening to this it's podcast. Okay. It's okay. Can we She's focus? totally cool with it. Can Love to have focus? a cup of coffee with you, Sunny, and just kind of talk to you. 
Uh, but anyway, but any of it. Uh, so, but but yeah, but I had the opposite. Like I, you know, I think the girls that I liked, and I, I've, a few times I've made attempts to confess my feelings, and it never oh, you did? Out. Like, did you really? Oh yeah, I, of course. You I know did. what? I'm like, that, I am very impressed by that because I feel like, especially, especially my experience with a lot of Asian men have been that they don't confess outright. Okay, so okay, I cheated. All right, so listen, not all the time I would do that. Just a note in her locker. Okay. No, 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 no. I had Be my honest. friend ask. I had my friend ask on behalf of me. That's so what you, I did. Okay. Well, okay. That's, and they always said least, no. Okay, fine. This, and, and at least they were being honest. They're like, no, no, I don't, I don't see him that way. And I was like, okay. So at least just say, you know. No, that's, but you that know, counts. That counts. That counts? Yeah, okay. that counts. Yeah, that counts. So anyway, uh, so that's, so I had sort of the opposite effect, you know, uh, no, opposite I, experience with you. That's not opposite because like I said, it wasn't like I was the, the dream of every man. Like I think I had maybe one or two, but you know, enough to make me feel like I'm not unlovable, but also not enough where that was a defining thing for me. You know, okay. like I would never look back and say, oh, I was like, that was who I was. Like I was the dream girl for many, like I wasn't, I know, like I said, I can literally give you the names of the girls who were the dream girls, the dream girls? pretty much every guy in my high school, you know, I was wow. not that, but I had wow. just like, just enough to know, like somebody out there will one day be able to love yeah. me, somebody, I just, need one. I just need one guy, you know, and there you, and you found him, John Huang, there you go, I found him, I found you him. found him, thank God, all right, cool, cool, well, so listen, we have a show for you today that uh, we don't really know how it's just going to play out, but uh, one of the things that Sue and I want to do is we want to kind of unpack perhaps blind spots that we have seen in each other. It's, it's definitely risky because, you know, we could be off on it. But part of this this podcast, especially towards the beginning, the first couple episodes, I talked to you how important it is to have people in your life that are willing to be honest and truthful. Things that maybe they see in you that maybe you don't see. And they're sharing this out of a term of endearment. They care for you. They want you to grow and get better. And this could potentially be a blind spot so that if you can you know, maybe get it uh, and you realize it and you process it, um, it will allow you to grow as a person. And that's really the end goal of this, right? Because you don't want yep. people to be truthful yep. to you so that they can hurt you. You want them to be honest so that you can grow. This and like true. you said, Sue, so that you can learn to be more lovable in that way. So, you know, before I get started, uh, I just need to preface this, Sue. I brought these blind spots before the Lord. Your blind spots before the Lord. Oh, and, so and are you going to say he basically confirmed them for you? So, I, so whatever so I say listen, is not going to count. I, I, I'm not going to go that far, <laughs> but I will say this. Don't get angry at me. I'm just the messenger. Get angry at the man. You know, upstairs. I'm an Enneagram one, so I might get really angry at you. Wait, we, what's, what of our? What's the one? I hate when people. I don't. I don't remember the. the you need to the, go the, brush up on your Enneagram. No, I don't. I yeah. I, I'm the Myers Briggs guy. I am not an Enneagram guy. So what's the one? What's the one? So the one is um. Well, there's a lot. So there's a lot of things about the one, but one of the things about being an Enneagram one is that we are extremely self-critical, um, and we oh, are very very really? introspective and analyze ourselves constantly because we want to be above reproach. And so we, if somebody says something about us that we don't like, we want to already know about Interesting. it. So that's Interesting. what a one does. Yeah. Okay. And I think okay. it's, I think I fit the profile because I am pretty introspective about myself. Like there's, um, it's very, like, I don't think I'm lacking. Like, I think compared to the average person, I'm a lot more self-aware. Um, okay. Because I'm constantly thinking about why I do certain things or mm. um, say certain things. Like I'm constantly thinking about it. 
Um, okay. And I, I guess it's because my goal is I want to be above reproach. That's my goal. So we'll see. Reproach. We'll see if I can rise above reproach <laughs> or I crumble down into a hot mess. We'll see. Audience. Listen, listen, listen. It, we'll see. Yeah. Sua, listen, you and I are friends. You know, um, all, all is fair here. All I would ask is rather than like you and I disagreeing with certain things, I think we should just say, well, you know, let me just ponder that. And I think that's one of the things, you know, you can do is that when people- yeah, in real time, in public, on a yeah, podcast. <laughs> when, people, <clears throat> when people confront you on certain things, rather than disagree, our natural knee-jerk reaction is saying, no, I don't think so. I think you have to just say, you know what, let me think about it, yeah, bring it before God and process it and see, you know, and then maybe, you know, talk about it later. So- you know, Sue and I, we didn't talk about any of this. We didn't we talk did about what are, the, what are the areas that we need, we need to do. But I, I did say to her, I was like, one could be a little bit lighter than the other. Like, we should probably do two. But one would be a little bit lighter. The second one could be like, you go in for the kill. All right. Okay, I think so. you're making it sound a lot scarier than how you presented it to me when you presented the idea. I don't know if I would have necessarily agreed to this if you said the word kill. <laughs> for the kill. All right. All right. I'm no. a little scared. All right. So like, yeah, but you know, I think, I think you and I are healthy enough to receive feedback. Um, I trust you. I know you only look out for my best interest. This is only you, making it worse. Like you, I, like, Sua, you know, all know of this you, disclaiming Sua, is making it would, worse. Yes, yeah, Sua, I know you wouldn't share this with me if you didn't love me and care for me. So you can go whatever you need to, right? And I wouldn't do this. I would do the same, right? I wouldn't share this with you. Jeez. But I love you and care for you, okay? So, you know, and I could be, I could be off. But listen, I brought it before the Lord. If you get there, angry. There it is again. If you get angry. Bringing the Lord into this. If you get angry, you take it to him. <laughs> Don't take it to me. Wow. I'm just a messenger. Oh, wow. I'm just a messenger. Okay. Well, listen, I just want to say, I did not bring it to the Lord, but I brought it to Steve Bang. <laughs> you get angry about this, you take it to Steve Bang, okay? Hey, hey, close yeah. enough. Close Steve enough. Bang is one Steve of Bang um, is our close enough to God, in my members. opinion. That guy good is good. Good friend so good. of both of ours. He is so good. So, yeah, so Steve, if, you if you're get listening, mad, um, you can bring it to Steve. Well, if Steve mentioned it, then it's probably true. Because anything he confronts me on, Steve's my assistant, but he's also a pastor. He, he leads ministries in our church. But uh, one of my good, good friends. He, anytime he's confronted something about me, uh, I think 100% of it was true. So, like, I, I don't think I can disagree now. So, and, and likewise, Sua, because God told me you can't disagree with <laughs> me on this Steve one. Are right? putting Steve on the same pedestal as the Lord? Yeah, yeah. No, but Steve knows me really well. That's why. Okay. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Who wants to go first? You want to go first? No, I think you, you should. No, me? I think you should go because you should set the tone because okay. I brought a bunch. Um, and I'm going to kind of match it to the energy. Holy yeah, I'm going to match smokes. it to the energy. How many blind spots do I have? Um, clearly more than one. So wow. let's go. Let's go. Okay. All right. First one. All right. First let's one. Go. I only have let's two because I don't have much. First one is this. Let me this. get my Kleenex ready. So Sua, I think what we need to really uncover about you is this. You have a tendency to not be able to handle affirmation. Every time somebody says something nice about you, you always have a way of downplaying it. And we okay. gotta figure we gotta figure out where that comes from. So like let me think the best, about that for a minute. <laughs> the, best, the best example I can give Sue is simply this. Okay. Okay. Um I, I in one of my podcast one of the podcasts, one of the episodes, okay, we have it on we have it audially, all right? I said something like your superpower is that you can speak three languages. Okay? I that's that's a great yes. affirmation. Yes. You can't and you speak it super fluently. It's not like Eh, a little like one better like you speak three languages really fluently and you said these exact words that doesn't make me like super it makes me weird i, have, so, I stand by though what i no, said no 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 no. so yes. we need to we need to dig under this and and really okay, uncover what let's is dig. it about you that when somebody says something nice about you or affirms you about something try you another tend one to def 
deflect it and you you just kind of like you want to downplay it. You want to downplay any type of affirmation that comes mm-hmm. your way. What is going on with that? Okay, well, you know, for that one, I don't know if that's a good example because I okay, <clears throat> I think the reason why that doesn't seem as big of a thing for me, the whole trilingual thing is because I know so many people who are trilingual because of the way I learned these languages. So remember, I didn't learn <clears throat> I didn't become trilingual because one day I decided I'm going to go on Duolingo or Rosetta Stone and just become like, you know, a polyglot or something like that's not what happened. I literally ended up growing up in Korea where I learned Korean. Right. And I grew up in Guatemala where I learned Spanish. And then I came to America where I learned English. And I have a lot of friends who had similar upbringings. So I would say I have a lot of friends who speak three languages fluently. And so this no, doesn't seem to me. I do. Really? A lot of, most, of my met, friends who, most of my friends who I've grew up in Guatemala. I've never met anyone who could speak but, three But remember, languages that's fluently. because you you don't have a big sector of your friends who grew up in Guatemala and then came to America, which was a trajectory for a lot of us. And so if you want to... Okay, so if you grew up in Korea and then went to look, Guatemala... Look, look, do you hear this, people? Do you see how she's downplaying this? No, but listen, if you lived in Guatemala and went to an American school, you speak three languages. And if you're Korean, like I have so many friends who do that. So that's why I think for me, it doesn't seem as that remarkable. Okay. I got another one. I got another okay. one. Yeah, Recent let me one. tell me one, and then my gut and, reaction. I'll let you know okay. what my gut right. reaction. And this is. was, and this, and and this was like um, uh, this was um, uh, something that we that we said like before we recorded okay. the podcast. Okay. okay, this was like I just said, you know, Sua, you're really amazing. Like you know, on the podcast, you know, and audience, you know, she is. I mean, you're just you're so great. You know, we have great chemistry <laughs> if you're and stuff listening, like that. And I just said you like, agree. I, and I was like, you're like amazing at this. And you said something like, I think to you said something to the to this effect. You said, well, Peter, you know, it's not because like I have like anything that great. Like if I was the only one on the podcast, I don't think I would have great material. But it's just like you know, you're able to kind of steer it, whatever. And then I'm just going to support it. But you see, but but Sue, like you can't. Okay. The problem You're is, right. is that okay. Let me think about we're it. always trying to downplay it and say, well, you know, that's because, so there's something there. And mm-hmm. I think what we need to uncover is that, is there something in your past mm-hmm. that, um, you know, that you've been, I don't know, uh, hurt by that is causing you uh, to, in many ways, downplay some of your achievements, your accomplishments, some of the gifts that you have? Because here's the reason why I, I say that is because yeah, these are good questions. Uh, the, the reason why I say this only uh, the, reason, the reason why I say this Sua, is because, um, like, it's really important that you receive affirmation when it's you know being really honest and people want you to receive it because in many ways that's how God feels about you. Mm. And when we downplay those things, and you know the reason why I'm I, I kind of can like I'm good at this because um, I do the same thing. And you, for you me, do the same thing I, as in you I, downplay compliments yes, too. Okay. Yes, yes, I downplay compliments. So like, so people will be like, "Oh man, Peter, that was a really, that was a really great sermon." Mm. Praise God, it's all God. Yeah, it's all God. Yeah, you know. And so I really had to kind of figure out, like, yeah, no, it's all God. Don't get me wrong, but how come I can't receive when somebody mm. says something nice to me? You know, and stuff. And I think part of that, and at least for me, and I don't know, so you are you and I okay. am me. Yeah. Tell so it's me very different. So for me, yeah. it comes from a place of shame mm-hmm. that because I live in shame, that I can't receive it because when I see myself, I don't see myself as that. And so it's very difficult for me to receive affirmation or compliments because for me, it just, I just feel really uneasy about it. Um, that's that's part of it for okay, me. Okay, so you know what? I'm gonna. I'm clearly. I you know what? I did not know this about myself 
to this in this way until I started doing this podcast. And I literally realized that I am a storyteller. Like I just like telling a bunch of stories, but yeah. I have a story to go with it. So do you remember so, Romelia who interviewed for the Jack position years ago? She came I from, yep, I think, yep, David, yep. Pastor David Swanson's yep, church. Yep, Chicago. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She was an amazing gifted speaker. She preached yeah. that one Sunday at our church. I don't know if you remember. She um, vaguely, vaguely. Mm -hmm. And then I remember people came up to her and said she was amazing. And I said to her, I said, mm. hey, Romelia, I heard that you are the best. I mean, according to Pastor Swanson, you were literally the best preacher on that preaching team. And she mm. said to me, she looked at me right in the eye. She said, yes, thank you. That is one of my giftings. Um, and that was very shocking for me because I had never, for first of yeah. all, I would never have responded that way if somebody told me that exactly. I was, somebody had said to me, I'm yeah. the most gifted speaker on a team of amazing speakers. But she had zero hesitation in just yep. saying, yeah, that's one of my giftings. Yeah. And that was it. And I was really taken aback by this. That's yeah. why it's so, that was such a memorable thing that somebody said. Um, so yeah, I guess you're right that there is something about that. Part of it, you know, in my analysis, I think it is cultural. Part of it, I think is cultural. Yeah. Like I think the Korean culture, we downplay a lot of things. Like we're not allowed to be very boastful. Yeah. I think it's humility. It's like a, like a fake humility, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, like my kid is not that good at violin. She just finished the, you know, um, Paganini yeah. concertos like at five, but you know, this is not amazing. It's like a humble brag kind of thing. I feel like there is a cultural thing where we're not allowed yeah. to be openly boastful about things. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think my reason, if I had to say one off like right now in real time, and I'm going to have to chew on this a little bit, I'll report back. I would say it's a little bit different from your reason because I don't necessarily think I struggle yeah. with shame, but yeah. I think it's pride. Um, and I say that in the sense that... What do you mean um, by that? Okay, so I think it's because um, I don't want to be... Like, I don't want to appear like I'm being arrogant or oh, boastful okay. about something. Interesting. So, and I think that undermines the fact that these are all things that God has gifted us. So in a way, it's almost like me saying, yeah, it's me. Like, I'm better. But at the end of the day... God's gifting us these things. It's not ours. We're just stewards, right? So if God gifted us these things and all the glory goes to God, I should have no hesitation in being able to say, yes, God gave us, the God gave me the ability to speak three languages fluently and that's a gifting he gave me. Glory to God. Like that should be fine. But I think there's something in me that feels like that makes me a better person than others or maybe that makes me, like that makes me superior. And I think that's why it's hard for me to accept it because I don't want to appear as if I am being boastful or arrogant okay so i don't know i don't know if i have i don't know if i agree with that understanding or that theology that you mm -hmm. just kind of said mm -hmm. of god I, mean, I do agree that god gives us gifts yeah. and so on and so forth but i don't think god gives us gifts as long as you're not a glory stealer you don't steal his glory mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i still think god gives us those gifts so that we would be able to embrace being created in the image of god and being mm -hmm. a child of god you know, that you are yeah, a daughter, you are a princess to the king of kings and lord of lords. That is more than, that is who you are as opposed to just your gifts. And sometimes, you know, like that that mm -hmm. theology that you just yeah. spewed out about, this is all God's, it's not really mine, and that kind of thing. It negates the beauty of how God created you and made you and how he wants you just to embrace that about who you are. You know, so I don't know. So no, that, that's that could be, yeah, yeah, for you to just upon that. The other thing is, you know, and let me just kind of dig a little deeper. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you say you don't want to appear to be prideful, all right? So, 
you know, like, uh, you know, like if say, oh yeah, you know, I can speak three languages or, oh yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm great communicator. I was, I, I, I just, I was created to, <laughs> to be on podcast. Yeah. Like I get it. It's one of my gifts. Um, do you feel like you are those things, but yet you don't want people to know that you are? And that's why you're saying like, I don't want to be, appear to be prideful. Yes and no about certain things. So for okay. the thing about the three languages, I genuinely don't think that's a big okay. thing. Okay, okay. No, no, that's fair. Don't. That's fair. But, and I yeah. think that's more because of my circumstances. Um, mm-hmm. The thing about the communicator, that actually should not be surprising to me when people say because, um, so another story. One time I was at Chode Church and there was this one pastor who apparently was supposed to be like a prophetic gifted pastor he like people okay. you know he was one of those pastors that like people would come and then ask for prayer and then he would yeah. like say things that are very personal to you and i remember my mom was like oh you should go get prayer from this pastor like he's here from i don't know europe somewhere like she goes and i was like okay whatever so i went and he literally said to me your gift is communication yeah like that's and he had never met me before right and that kind of it was crazy for me because it kind of whether he was legit or not, I mean, you know, I'm a bit of a skeptic sometimes, but that was something that was a motif that I think had been building all my life that people say you're easy to talk to. Like you're, I find you very easy to communicate with, or you're very good at making your points. Um, And then when he said that, it kind of was like, wow, maybe this is my thing, right? So it's not something that should be surprising to me if you say Mm -hmm. to me, "Um, you're really good on this podcast, right? So yeah, you're right. I don't know why I can't just say like Romelia. Yeah, it's one of my giftings. Yeah. Like, I don't know why. Or I you actually just, don't or you could simply say thank you. You know, thank, thank you. you so yeah. much for saying that. Yeah. You know, some because like now when people come up to me and say, I was so blessed by your sermon, mm-hmm. I don't I don't say like necessarily praise God anymore. I'm just like, what oh, do you thank say? you. Thank, thank you so you. much. I really appreciate that. That's mm-hmm. how I say it. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. That's it. I don't I don't say like, oh, just praise God, it's all him, not me. Because I'm realizing, I'm I, well, for me as I dug deeper in my own life about it, I yeah. realized it was that that shame talking there, and oh, uh, and I just said, you know, I'm going to try to receive it. But I have another observation that's along the same lines. Yeah, could it also be Sua? And like you know, you know how like I have a terrible memory, but I remember some things that you share with me. Yes, I you do remember very select things. Yeah, you shared with me something years ago, and you probably don't even remember I'm this. Scared, if you remember, no. if you remember it, I would actually be very impressed. Okay, okay? what was it? You share with me that you said that when you were growing up in your home, your mom would make you feel like you were the prettiest girl in the world. She did say right? that, yes. Right? You're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're mm-hmm, beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you said when you got to college, mm-hmm. you realized your mom was lying. Yes. You're I like, do what the? You you're like, what yeah. the heck? Like, yeah. mom, I'm not the, the prettiest, you know? So do you maybe maybe mm-hmm. did that contribute to you not re- like not believing in the affirmation because maybe like you know like you believed growing up that i am the prettiest my mom says it because i say it to my daughters all the time like you guys are just both yeah. just beautiful yeah. you're gorgeous all that stuff and they grow up in the home believing that and then they go out and they go to the world and they're like whoa no i'm not the prettiest you know that and stuff is, like that well i do remember that saying that because that is a story that i have told other people as well um, because it was yeah. a very formative experience for me and the story right. is not necessarily just about the physical aspect of it it was more yeah. so that my mom raised my brother and me to all to, to almost have like grandiose images of ourselves of course you know, like you guys and, are meant for greatness you guys are destined for greatness like god yep. created you for a really great yep. purpose um you know you guys are the prettiest and you know i think when i went to college and i was like a little you know, a little fish in like a big ocean, right? I realized like there are people out here that are 
so much better than me, not just prettier than me, but in mm. general, just so much better than me in every single way. And I think, but you know, I don't know if that necessarily contributed. And I only say that because this was a recurring thing, even in high school. Like I had a friend, okay. Diana Kataji, who we would tell each other, like she would be like, Sue, you're so pretty. And I'd be like, I'm not pretty. And then I'd be like, you're so pretty. And she'd be like, I'm not pretty. And then one day we were laughing because we were like, why can't we ever accept? So she finally said to me, Sue, I think we should just say we're both pretty and just leave it at that because we both were having difficulty yeah. accepting compliments from each other. Yeah. Um, so it's been like a thing that even is predates that whole area. But that is a real thing that happened to me, I will say. Yeah. And it was a very formative experience in the sense that, um, yeah, I had to kind of undergo like, how do I really view my, like, how do I view myself? You know, sure. the image of how my mom well, presented me as colliding with the image of who I really am in the big scheme of things, right? Right, and Sua, there, there's disappointment there, right? There is yes, disappointment absolutely. there, and absolutely. that disappointment could be linked perhaps, I'm just, I'm just saying, it could be linked perhaps to the reality that why when somebody says something nice to you, you know, I, I'm sure you like it and it's a good thing, like you don't hate it, but maybe because of that disappointment that you felt when you, you know, with what mm. your mom did growing up, you don't want to be disappointed again. Well, you, you know, know what? I speaking about my mom, so speaking about my mom, it's very interesting because my mom also has this weird thing where she doesn't, um, she doesn't want to openly brag about her kids. Like she yeah. doesn't, you know, and listen, like I'm not a bragger about my kids either. Like I don't ever brag about my kids, but Except this for is how so- great they're at jujitsu. Oh, well, just one of them, <laughs> but deeply. So how deeply rooted this is with my mom is that when I went wedding dress shopping with my mom, you know, mm -hmm. there's like, you guys, I don't know, people know what the, the script is for a mom who goes wedding dress shopping with her daughter, right? Like yeah. there's supposed to be a lot of crying. It's supposed to be very emotional. Um, so like they would put me in this wedding dress and then they would open the curtain and the mom is supposed to be like, wow, you look beautiful. My mom literally just sat there being like, yeah, that's okay. Yeah that one's okay. Like the whole time. And the lady was very flustered because that was not the reaction that she was expecting. Uh -huh. And then afterwards, when we were in the car going home, I said to my mom, I said, I think you were supposed to be a little bit more like vocal about whether you, like you were supposed to like it. And she said, well, I don't want to be like one of those moms who are just sitting there like, you know, going crazy about how beautiful their own daughter is. And I'm like, but that's what you're supposed to do in this context. You know, like that's literally the expected yeah. thing. Yeah. So I definitely think there's some kind of family that's a generational thing. Yeah. So mm -hmm. what you just uncovered there is yeah. a generational is a generational thing that your mom gave to you, mm -hmm. and now you've mm -hmm. given it. So what you have to be careful of, you don't want to give that to your. Yeah, daughters. I don't want to give that yeah. to my daughter because you don't yeah. want them to keep. I don't think it, it, it's 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 not good to be cocky, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. and be like overly prideful. Of course, that's wrong, but I think if you go to the other extreme, you know, that could you know for you you're fine because you're emotionally healthy and stuff like that. But the other extreme is then you just can't receive you know, um, the compliments. And I think, you know, God expresses his love through other people. And, uh, and it happens even through, you know, words of encouragement and things like that. So yeah, I mean, pride was definitely, and pride comes in so many different variations, right? But I think my mom struggles a lot with pride, because my mom grew up, um, not to like delve too much into her story, because it's a whole other thing. Yeah, but she basically grew up as like a quote, unquote, illegitimate daughter of a single mm. mom, mm -hmm. who, who without knowing her. So my grandma, was the other woman but she didn't know she was the other woman during the korean war she wow. thought she married a guy and had children and that was it but mm -hmm. she later found out he had a whole other family and like yeah, 10 hours crazy. away 
Yeah, so my mom on her birth certificate has somebody else's name on it. Like she doesn't have her own mom's name on it because she couldn't because they were not legitimately married. Um, And I think my grandma raised her with a lot of shame because Mm -hmm. she felt like, on one hand it was shame because she was like, you don't have a dad. You know, like you're growing up without a dad and a single mom. But on the other hand, that also created a lot of pride because it was like, you need to present yourself in a certain way where nobody will be able to find flaw with you. Nobody will be able to say to you, you are this way, you're wearing those shoes or you are behaving this way because you don't have a dad. So um, it was like a simultaneous pride rooted in shame, you know, like it was, and she was like, she would not apologize. She, you know, if anybody even tried to give her any criticism, she would walk away. Like there was a lot of pride, but I think it was pride that was, packaged as pride, but it was really coming from shame, right? And I Abs- think that got absolutely. passed down to us in weird variations, Yes, you know? Yeah. So and I guess it, I'm still unpacking it. Well, in light of all that your mom's been through, I think, you know, how she turned out is pretty incredible. It's really amazing when these, uh, when our parents are, you know, because mm-hmm. they're post-Korean War. Yeah. And, you know, the country yeah. was just decimated mm-hmm. and the dysfunctions and stuff like that. But, you know, we don't, we don't, sometimes we underestimate um, a void, the big void that often is in people's hearts, kids' hearts, when they grow up without a dad. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that was huge for your mom, I'm sure, you know, yeah. and stuff. And so she had to overcompensate to, like your grandmother said to, to her, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta live your life away where, you know, people don't notice that you don't and not have even a dad. overcompensate for the absence yeah. of a dad, but overcompensate in a way, possibly even more meaningful, overcompensate for your mom's own insecurities yeah. about your, about yourself yep. and herself, you know, because okay. they're a reflection of her, right? Yep. And so, I mean, my grandma is hardcore. My grandma's still alive. She's super healthy, lives alone. Wow. She's still, she's eight, she's 90. She still cooks her own wow. meals. Yeah. She's hardcore, but this woman I remember she wore, she wore a girdle. Do you know what a girdle is? Yeah. She wore a girdle, like a Spanx, till she was like 75. Wow. She wants to present herself in a certain way. She would wow. yell at my mom for gaining weight. She would yell at my mom for not doing sit-ups in the morning, you wow. know, and not eating healthy because she, yeah. it all comes from that place of yeah. shame, right? Absolutely. And pride. Yeah. It's huge. So, yeah, yeah so okay. there's a lot there. Maybe I'll think about it this week and report back on what yeah, I Yeah, you know, Sue, here's find. the thing. You know, like, uh, you know, Peace Cazero says this, Jesus may live in your heart, but Grandpa, Grandpa, Grandma lives, lives in your, in your bones. bones. Yeah, that's, you know, like and that, that. And that's the truth, you know, yeah. of it. So, but one of the ways in how I want to encourage you as you live your life, because you will get more compliments and affirmation, I want you to just say thank you. That's really encouraging. That's sweet. It. Thank okay. You. No more Thank of you. like coming back and saying, well, that's because I'm weird or, oh, that's because whatever, you know, like, <laughs> like none of that. Just say, oh, thank you. All right. This, Thank this you. Is, I appreciate um, that. Okay. Right. I'm going to practice this. Pastoral this week. advice to you. I will practice this this week. Every time someone gives me a compliment, I will just say, thank you. Yes. And move absolutely. on. Absolutely. Okay. That's it. Right. That's it. All right. Come on. Let's go. My turn. Okay. Um, Let's see. Let me let me look at my notes to see which one <laughs> <laughs> out of the hundred and twenty blind spots that I, I am. I am. I am pretty sus. So yeah. Okay. I will. I will tell you this one. So this is also kind of a light one, I would say. But one thing I've observed over working with you for a period of years, and you know what? You might say this doesn't apply any longer because remember, it's been a few years since I've actually seen you in your habitat. Yeah, yeah, in your natural habitat of being a senior pastor. Um, But I've noticed that um, when you feel, so your, how strongly you feel about something is directly correlated 
with how little you will listen to somebody who disagrees. Yeah. Um, so, and not only that, how you, whether you listen or not and how much gravity you give to the, the feedback also depends on how you feel about the person giving the feedback. Yes. So I agree. Um, yep. it's like a dual thing. So yep. like if let's say hypothetically, you feel like we need to go direction A, we just have to go direction A. Okay. Yep. You feel super strongly. We need to go direction A. Let's, let's say somebody comes and says, I don't know, Peter, I feel like that direction might not be the right way. If you feel like 10 out of 10 strong, there is pretty much a 0.1 chance you will listen to this person because you will just, you will bulldoze that feedback. However, yeah. There, that varies depending on whether you like the person giving you the feedback or not. So if you feel positively, I feel like there's a higher chance you will listen. And if you don't necessarily feel super positive about the person, it takes a little bit more time for that feedback to marinate. Does this make any sense to you at all? 100%. Oh, okay. I mean, it's so clear to me as night, you know, and, and you know, Steve, if you gave that feedback, I mean, he's so point on. <laughs> Um, this was my uh, feedback. Oh, was it your feedback? Okay, well, actually, so it was I, a joint. You don't, you don't know this, but Steve and I will occasionally chat on the phone, and it's like a two-hour conversation. But like one and a half hours of it will be simultaneously us saying how much we love you and also how crazy you are. This is literally <laughs> like what the conversation. It's about you, and we bond. I think our friendship is founded upon the bedrock of our friendship is our love for you and also just talking about you. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, trying to receive it, I'm, 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 I'm taking that as a good thing. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, more than more than uh, somebody that uh, I like, uh, it's really about somebody that I trust. If I really trust somebody, yeah. and I trust their best interests in certain things, and I and I know them, you know, and I've and we've had a, a working relationship. I'm very I'm, now I am. I wasn't back when you were probably mm -hmm. you know on staff. Mm -hmm. I'm very open to listening, and I'm very open to changing my way. And, and going a different direction if we need to do that. Um, but it's it, for me, it all goes down. To if I don't trust the person, and in my estimation, if I don't feel like they have credibility in sharing certain things with me, then it's very difficult for me to, to listen and to think, you know, because, yeah, that's part of me just being sort of in my way, uh, sort of set in my ways. Yeah. And, and, and then I think the other thing that makes it unfair is that I am the senior pastor. And so I think people perhaps would feel a little bit more intimidated to share that stuff and, and, and they're worried about will I get, you know, will I really listen, you know, things like that. So, yeah, and then it's, and then I think it is, it's kind of, you know, trying to, trying to balance that thing delicately with like, you know, part of my role is to lead. Mm -hmm. I got to lead the church, mm -hmm. lead the flock. Yeah. yeah. And I got to take the church a certain direction and how do we get there, you know, and stuff. Um, and so part of that is like, I feel like it's my responsibility to lead the church, but at the same time, it's like, okay, well, I got to listen to the people that are around me that will give me the feedback. So anyway, so I mean, that's probably the best way, but man, that's, that's huge. I mean, that's, that's I mean, something I, that. I think you're right. Cause I was thinking as I was even thinking through this quote unquote blind spot, it's a, it's a natural thing to do for us, right? Like, why would we listen? Why would we give equal footing to the advice somebody tells somebody we don't necessarily trust gives us versus somebody who really knows us and has our best interest? Like it makes it's makes sense to listen to the person who we know is a credible source and like cares for us. But I guess Yeah, I guess my thing is like, sometimes I've seen even a disparity, man, I don't want to like call you out. But sometimes I've seen a disparity even like, while I was on staff, yeah. where staff members 
would yep. give you the same feedback, but depending on how you feel about this particular staff member, mm -hmm. which I would hope are all credible sources to some degree. I mean, you're they're on your staff. So I'm not talking about a stranger off the street telling you advice yeah, A yeah. and a person on you know, your soulmate telling you. I'm talking about people on your staff giving you the same feedback, but mm. you will give more credibility to one person over the other. And I don't know if that's just a personality thing or just um, a sexism thing or, you know, it's, oh, it's a, I don't important. know. I mean, I don't know. Is it, I will say this since we're, you know, I'm not going for the kill yet, but I'm, I'm going to say there definitely, when you feel a very strong way about something and I want to bring up yeah. not a criticism, but maybe like, you know, an app, like a thought to kind of throw in there, like a wrench in there. I knew there was a tone I had to take to get through to you. Yeah. Um, Give me an I, example. Give me an example, Sue. No, I'm trying to think of like, I don't know because it's been so long, but literally like I've ha somebody once said to me, somebody came up to me and said to me, Hey, so I'm trying to talk to pastor Peter, but he's not listening to me. She was not mm -hmm. on staff, but she was just somebody who had been in the church for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And she said, I feel like sometimes he doesn't listen when I ask, like when I tell him things, he just doesn't listen. Mm -hmm. um, and I said to her, um, there you, it's for pastor Peter, it's equally, if not more important, the tone you communicate, um, even more than like the actual content. So I, I, I remember telling her, if you speak to him in a way that is already extremely emotional and super challenging, like, like yeah. a challenging tone, he kind of goes in like fight or flight mode. Oh. But if you bring it to him in a very soft kind of chill, like comedic way like he will sit there and listen but if you're already coming into a battle be like i don't agree with yeah. this and this is then you kind of have you go into like a mode where you're like you try to yeah. defend um so that's why i thought it was interesting because i guess these things are intuitive to me because i've worked with you so long and maybe this is why we got along so well on staff because i, I knew which buttons that i shouldn't press because then yeah. you're just going to tune out and not listen to me yeah. because i think you're actually a great listener despite what i'm saying i actually think i've never had a moment where you felt like you weren't listening to me but i do wonder if part of that is also because a you do consider me a credible source and b i know kind of not to take a certain tone um with you when i bring up very important things yeah if you're feeling strongly if that yeah. makes sense yeah um so man so many things are running through my mind right now there's a lot uh, of layers here <laughs> no there is a lot of layers i, I yeah. want to say five uh five years later since you've been at metro yeah. i think i've changed a lot in yeah, that area I mean, that's great however however it's still a, a a work in progress but here here's 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 what again i don't want to keep sounding like a broken record <laughs> but if you disagree with i what i feel yeah is right yeah i feel like you're you're shaming me Mm. And that's why I, I don't listen. Oh, uh, this wow. is why shame is so deep. So oh. when people remember back in the day um, when people were um, leaving our church because yes. they felt like we were being too racial justice motivated. This yeah. was like way yep. before any church even talked about it. I mean, it was Trayvon Martin, right? Right, right after Trayvon. Once Martin. Once Trayvon Martin got shot, and yeah. then our staff member, you know, an elder who were black, uh, went to black churches to lament. Yeah, because we wouldn't do it. It was like church. a wake up call yeah. for me, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" I was like, "But this is your church." Yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, but Peter, you know, we didn't know." That was sort of like the biggest wake up call yeah. for me. And when I believe so deeply about this, and plus, you know, my one of my best friends is black, and you know, Alex and all that stuff, and so like, and he just shares with me the mm. the rigors and 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 what he had to experience, and all and so on and so forth. I was so passionate yeah. about that. If you disagree with me on that, 
um, in many ways, it wasn't just this is the right way. At the at the end of the day, I felt like you were shaming me, mm. and that's why I started kicking people out of the church. I didn't know you. I thought they left willingly. I didn't know you actually kicked them out of the church. Well, I didn't kick them out. <laughs> I just I said, this is what I said. I said this might not be the right place for you, right? I didn't say leave the church, but I just said you know this this may not be the right place for you, and uh, right. and you okay. know. Uh, so okay. for my doctoral program that I'm doing global leadership on, I had to mm. write a case study about that because that's a leadership failure of mine. And when I unpack the depths of that, it's um, I realize that at the end of the day, every leader, um, if we don't have uh, proper boundaries and there's, there's these five hungers that every leader um, uh, goes through. And if, if these hungers aren't being satisfied in our personal life, mm. it will bleed into our leadership. So let me just give you the example. Okay, yeah, these give are, me an example. Yeah. These, are, these hungers will destroy your ability to lead properly. Okay, The first hunger that every human being has at some level, and if, it's not, if, if, if they go into work with a hunger for this, they will not lead properly. First one is power and control. Yep. If yep. you are hungry for that at work, you will mm. not be able to lead power you know, well, so you, yeah. that has to be in check. All right. In some ways, your personal life has to be good enough where you're not seeking power and control. A lot of times when your personal life is off, um, you know, you're not going to be able to, you're going to, you're going to want more, more power and more control at work. Right. Yeah. So that happens. Second is affirmation. If you personally aren't being affirmed, you know, and, and you feel like that's good, you're not getting a healthy dose of that. You're going to want affirmation. You're going to hunger for that at work. Okay. Third is importance. That's another hunger. Mm -hmm. If you don't feel important, you're going to want to feel important at work. All right. Uh, when you lead. Fourth is intimacy. If you lack intimacy, intimacy. personally, yeah. If you lack intimacy, if you lack intimacy um, in life, you're not going to be able to. Um, you're gonna. You're gonna want that kind of intimacy at work. But how does that play out in a work setting, like intimacy? Oh, oh. Well, let, let me get to the fifth one, then we'll talk about okay. it. Okay. The fifth one is sexual pleasure. If oh, okay. if you are hungry for sexual pleasure, okay. you will find it at work. Okay, mm. so these are all all of all of those things. Um, intimacy would be you know it could be a deeper sense of of you know um, like let's say you own a company, you know, and uh, like you're a CEO, and and you know you're not you may be a CEO, you know, you know you're not getting that kind of intimacy at home. You're not. You know, you not every all of us longs for intimacy. Sure. We long for this desire to want to be loved and be fully so known. Created that way, yeah. Exactly. When you lack that, you bring it into work, and you're gonna want that in some capacity. But it never comes like I want to be fully known. It always has sort of a warped way of of working itself out. Okay, but can I ask you about the fifth one? Yep. What if you are somebody who's single and you are wanting sexual pleasure? Like you can't change that. I mean, what are you supposed to go do? Like if you're somebody who's in a workforce who's single and is not having sex, yeah, and you want you desire sexual pleasure because again, that is a part of who we are. Yep. What are they supposed to do then? Are you saying it's problematic if they're seeking it in the workforce? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, okay. because what happens is that if they're not getting sex, if they're not personally sexually satisfied. Um, what happens is that that will play a destructive role at work. So what should you do then if you are somebody who is not having sex and therefore you are sexually dissatisfied and you are somebody who is working? I, d I don't know. I, d I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> that's know. That's a cliffhanger. Like what is yeah, this? That, that's the part of, you know, um, you know, that's the part of hopefully you have good, you know, 
intimate relationships with people you can share and all that stuff. But I don't know. I you really know don't. that's one of our basic primitive desires. Right, absolutely. Sexual absolutely. satisfaction. Well, by and large, most people are sexually, I mean, single people, very few single people are abstaining from sex right now. Uh, wherever yeah. you know yeah. so it's not that's a very small minority even okay. in the church okay so i don't think you know but there are very few that that are choosing to live a life of celibacy right and i think the only way that that can be taken in in and in, in, and be satisfied is really just you finding your deeper intimacy and love from god okay. you know I mean, I, I, it's easier said than done yeah but what happens is that these five hungers what happens is that when there's a crisis in the church and you have these hungers you're not going to be able to lead properly through the crisis. Oh, when especially in a crisis. Yeah, yeah. When there's no crisis yeah. in the church, you're fine. When there's no crisis mm. in your organization, then you're fine. That's, but when you yeah. have, if one of these hungers are at play in your life, which I think when you think about it, all five could be at play in your life at the same time. I've had all five, right? They're not um, all different. I mean, a lot of them just kind of blend into each other, right? They blend so, into each other. Yeah. When there's a crisis, you're not going to be able to lead properly. And so that's why most leaders, you know, they fall. They fall only when there's crisis because, you know, when, when there's no crisis, you know, leadership really counts when there's crisis. Okay, well, and, let me uh, go in for the kill a little bit then about this since you're bringing it up. Okay. My first question is, looking back retrospectively, because what, it's been over 10 years at this point, right? Has it been like yep. 10 years? Yep. Uh, do you feel like one of these hungers was at play for All you? And the Sua. second question Sua. is, well, the second yes. question is, now that you're looking at it as a more evolved leader, knowing about these things, what would you have done differently? Yes. So so here's the thing. So I asked the staff this. My staff read this case study. I mm -hmm. shared this with them. And I said- So you wrote this out in a case study? I wrote this out in a case okay. study. I had to do it for a paper in class. Okay. And I had our staff read it. And then I had them, I asked them simply, what are the hungers that you struggle with? Uh, that I struggle with. That's they said powerful. the first three for sure. Power and control, affirmation, and importance. That they struggle with this? No, that or I that did. That you struggle. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that I did. Okay. All three. And I couldn't agree with them more on okay. that. All three, right? Because all of that was deeply rooted in some sense of like, you know, like I need to have that power yeah. and control. You disagree with yeah. me. Oh, my goodness. We have folks in our church that are going to different churches because they need to lament, you know. Oh, my God. My best friend is being stopped in his own parking lot by police officers. And they don't believe he's a pastor yeah. of the church. Yeah. He's being harassed, so on and so forth. How dare you disagree with me on that? And so I think that was kind of in within that. Mm. That was my mentality shame came into play because then and then what ended up happening sua was we got into a tremendous you know financial crisis in the church right, because people just started leaving i remember all the budget cuts <laughs> i mean sua yeah. i had a list of staff yeah. members i was gonna have to let go yeah and so i felt like a complete failure mm. i felt like a complete failure i just felt like man i am an absolute failure as a pastor because i didn't lead well so what would i have done differently sua yeah what would i've done differently is simply like you said to listen Get on the balcony and listen to the to to the song uh, the words beneath the song, like they're saying certain things. But what's deeper? What's going on mm. deeper? You know what's going I on. I like that. There? Say that again. Yeah, the songs beneath the words. Like what 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 is the, that a thing? Is that yeah yeah? So that, so oh. listen. If you want to ever um if you ever want to if you ever want to learn on adaptive leadership, uh, Linsky nice. and Heifetz, Harvard professors, they wrote a book called Leadership on the Line. And they talk about the hungers. They talk about how do you lead adaptively. Adaptive leadership is important in crisis. That basically means you lead without trying to predict the outcome. Mm. 
For me, my problem was I was trying to predict the to outcome. To go directly against your desire for power and control, basically. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So the only yeah. way I can deal with the the only way I can control outcome was to kick people out of the church. Right. And say you got to leave that. And this also the eliminate right the problem, right? Exactly. Like I got to eliminate the, the problem. Of, yeah. You need to leave. Yeah. You need to leave, right? Um, and, and that was wrong. It was wrong of me to like even have that posture because what ended up happening was, God, I love Kevin Swanson and David Hosang. They brought me into the office, my office during PMT, and this is why, like now with my pastoral management what is PMT? team, pastoral management team, oh, okay. I have we have weekly pastoral management team meetings, and I told my PMT now, like I told them, like if I'm doing anything like stupid, you have to tell me, you have to, because that's what they did. They sat me down, and they said, stop telling people to leave, and I said, why? Because wow. I was like, they're part of the problem, and he and they said wow. to me, they said, Peter, if they leave Metro. They will never ever hear about racial justice ever again. Oh wow! So if they're here, maybe not now, but who knows? Maybe in mm. a year or two, maybe five years from now, they'll mm. begin to see the gospel message the way it's supposed to be seen, right? Reconciliation mm -hmm. with God, but also reconciliation with our neighbor, mm -hmm. which is always Jew, Greek, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And so it said, Peter, if they leave oh, the church, yeah. they're not going to ever. They're not going to go to a place where they're going to be be in a church where somebody's gonna really address this. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so it was saying, Peter, you have to do better and so forth. So anyway, that was wow, a really powerful. good kind of one of those moments. But yeah. I think for me, a lot of that was just deeply, sh um, I think shame rooted. And I don't wanna keep using that as an excuse, but you know, that's one of the reasons why like it's for me, thing. in the past two and a half years, three years, I've, I've, I've tried to do whatever I could to deal with the shame because you know, you grow up with it and you believe in it and, and, and you believe in the power of it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it really prevents you from being fully present and there. Mm -hmm. And so I like to believe that I've come a long way from when I was back in those days. And I've grown a lot, you know, and I feel like God has really helped me and delivered me from shame um, in many ways. And the only way to defeat shame is through vulnerability. You got to be vulnerable. And yeah. this is it. I'm being yeah. vulnerable, but also I need you to kind of help me to see stuff and be like, oh, okay. Vulnerability is about receiving feedback. And that's kind of what yeah. we're doing here. So yeah. I don't know. Anyway, so. No, that another? was so powerful. Yeah, but it, so anything else? But yeah, but Sula, you're. At, I can't. I can't disagree with you. I don't think it's a blind spot. I think I knew that, and um, about about me, like that was really a struggle of me trying to be fully attuned to somebody, uh, whether it be somebody on staff. If I felt like they're disagreeing with me on certain things, and like I feel like this is important, and I, I wasn't. The reason why I wasn't able to fully listen, Sula, wasn't necessarily what they were saying. What they were. What I felt like they were saying to me was this: I don't respect your leadership. We need to go that way. Well, I think this goes with kind of what I said about how you perceived it as an attack, right? Like exactly. An attack. Um, and it and was. that's why yeah. I wonder, see, this is what I mean is if they had brought it to you, but not in an attacking tone, but more of like, can help me to understand this because I'm not understanding. Yep. I actually don't think you would have reacted that way. Yep. But I think yep. when you perceive something as an attack on yourself, yep. then I think that's when the, then when you go for the kill to use your phrase. Yeah. Um, now... I will add not to make this an Oreo method of where you sandwich like a good thing with a bad thing and then like a good thing. But I do want to say um, one thing that I always found very interesting about you. And I know you've used this as a sermon illustration years ago. I don't know if you remember, but uh, there was that one time when I asked you in the car whether you would be a Nazi if you were in Nazi Germany and mm -hmm. you were like thinking about it. And you were like, well, you were like, what kind of question is that? But then you said, I don't think I could have been a Nazi if I had a really good friend who was Jewish. Um, yeah. And I feel like to me, that was a very telling um, response to how you operate. 
Um, yeah. Because you're very loyal and I think you're very empathetic. And I think when somebody who you love is going through something, that becomes your battle as well. And so you take it on as your battle. And I think part of why you reacted, yeah, you're right. Like it's the shame, it's the, you know, but I also simultaneously think in a way there was a righteous component to it because you were taking on the struggle of another friend as your own and you were reacting yeah. to it personally, right? And so in a way you're right. Now, if we could just figure out a way to get rid of the bad and just kind of salvage the good. Well, so you know? for me, um, the, 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 the thing that I've, I've changed in is that when people come to me and they come to me hard about things, yeah, I won't be defensive in it. Because that's basically me mm -hmm. being defensive. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I do my best to lay that down and really try to listen to what they're saying. Listen to the song mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, beneath mm -hmm. the words. And just trying to like figure out what are they really trying to get at with me, and it's helping me a lot. And so, like the best example I can give is like you know I had a conversation with my brother-in-law about a year, year and a half ago, maybe a little bit longer. I don't exactly remember the exact time. My brother-in-law is white, and I love him. You know he's a great guy. Um, you know his father was a former chief of police and so forth. And um, you know for us because racial justice is very important. I'm a minority. Right, I've right. experienced racism and stuff. And some and a lot of times we always talk about like white privilege and all that kind of stuff. And I don't ever think as minorities we ever you know really consider how white people feel. Mm -hmm. And um, we had a real conversation in 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 the in in his house one time, and he and I were just kind of talking. And you know, I'm not going to share the details of it, right. but he was just being very vulnerable with me. And out of that conversation we had, I realized, you know what? As a minority, I have never thought about the loss white people have to go through. Mm -hmm. Here's what I mean by that. What I mean by that is simply this: white people in this country don't know what it's like to be in the minority. Yeah. They've lived their entire lives in the majority. Mm -hmm. They've lived their entire lives with power. They don't know another world outside of yeah. that. Yeah. That's being threatened now in so many ways that I realized that I didn't have the capacity nor the ability to realize that that's a loss that they need to grieve. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make it right, right? That right. white people right. have the power. Right. But it's legitimate. It's an actual legitimate thing where they have to grieve the loss of now, like, you know, of what's going on now with, you know, with all the different, you know, racial justice stuff. And it's all coming out. And, and now they're like, whoa, everything is, you know, like, I mean, every Fortune 500 company has a chief diversity officer now mm -hmm. as a result. So I just, I never, I would have never gotten that if I wasn't very open to hearing what he had to say. And if I was just very dismissive and be like, you know what? You grew up in privilege, who cares? You know, kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, you know, wow. Like, you know, we won't know. We don't, we'll never know what it's like to be in the majority. And so we don't know what it's like to be, to be in the majority and then that being taken away from you. It's, it's, the best experience I can give to you is simply this. Like, if Korea, mm -hmm. all of a sudden, like we grew up in South Korea, and then all of a sudden, you know, Chinese people just started coming and, and they started being a part of the population. And now, like, slowly, they're going to become the dominant. And then we have to, in many ways, grieve the loss that we're going to lose our country mm -hmm. in some ways. And that's the mentality, I guess, that, you know, that I never considered with, with white folks. And it well, wouldn't have really came about if I hadn't had a relationship with my brother-in-law and just been really more open about hearing and listening to what he had to say. I mean, I guess we can save this for, like, a podcast on racism, which we will do. Yes. But, I mean, yeah, I do think it's a lot more complicated 
um, than just white people being like, yeah, you're right. We're privileged. We're sorry. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's not that straightforward because no. we're humans and there's a lot of layers there. Yeah. Um, I will say this one thing I've always thought it was interesting the way, um, and again, we can hit this on a podcast about racism, but I think Asian, we as Asians are in a very interesting position in the whole racism and struggle for racial reconciliation, because I do, I do hear a lot from my black friends. Um, you know, we have fatigue, like we don't want to deal yep. with this with yep. like, they yep. have these conversations with white people it's really emotionally damaging to us it's very yep. exhausting for us we've been trying to have these conversations for hundreds of your years they're not listening i mean right. taking so long for them to get get it you know yeah. it's not my responsibility anymore and i completely hear that because i can't even imagine how exhausting it is to keep right. having your humanity um you know degraded every yep. time you try to like trying to prove to them that you you have dignity, you know, it's, it's yep. exhausting. However, for Asians, I think we're in an interesting position because we don't have 400 years of slavery right. to hold us down. You know, we, and we, we also in some ways have a lot of privilege where we yeah. are seen not as white people, but closer to white yeah. people in that totem pole. Right. And so I do think we have a very strategic advantage sometimes when it comes to being able to have these conversations. Yeah. Um, with white people. Well, it's it's interesting, and yeah. I think we got we'll 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 have a, a show on yeah. race, and there's there's so much there's so much depth there as Asians though that we have to unpack for our own lives, yep, and yep. I think it'll just take too long. All right, so let's not even go there. <laughs> we'll save a little sneak peek. All right, for Sua, the next. yeah, hit me, hit me with a big one. Oh, now. you want me hit to me go? With a big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, you just so go. you know what? I actually let's didn't go, let's imagine go that the first one was going to be. Yeah, man, one. that was long. But then I just realized that became a big one. So maybe this one will be a lot more straightforward. Let's go. But let's okay. go. So I had this one and then I've consulted Steve Bang and he agreed and okay. we discussed it. Okay, so here we go. So you know how you love transparency and like okay. vulnerability? Okay. Okay. So you have this weird thing for being drawn to any specifically Asian male who pre like presents himself as a transparent person, you're just like drawn to them like a moth to flame. And sometimes yeah. you ignore all of the red flags, like all of the red flags, even if other people tell you, I don't know about this guy, completely ignore it. And it's like, no, this guy's a real deal. This guy's great. And literally all it could be is anything that resembles transparency like anything that remotely looks like something out of the archetype of like an asian male you know whether it be at a small group or at a lunch or anywhere you're so oh, like man. like wow this guy's amazing and then you just like flock to it and then you know i'm not gonna go too much detail but like you will somehow invest in these individuals yeah and even if they repeatedly start showing you red flags some of these are great right some of these are yeah. great but yeah. sometimes there's a lot of red flags there and it yes. can be really damaging in yes. the habitat once again or damaging yes. to other people around but yes. it takes you a really long yes. time and a lot of trail of damage yes. and tears before you're finally like you know what maybe that wasn't what i thought <laughs> you know <laughs> um does that ring a bell to you? Does I, that resonate? I, I don't have anything to say <laughs> that you're 150% correct. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of my, you know, like, yeah. It, you know, I, I think if you want to get to my heart, just be vulnerable and, and be transparent. But and that's like, fine. Usually, but sometimes it's not, they're not even vulnerable. Sometimes yeah. they just pretend to be vulnerable, yeah. you yeah. know? And I think because you're, that's your like heart language, 
you just like are so drawn to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have any any. <laughs> the only yourself, the Pastor only thing. Yeah, the only thing now, like what I do now is, um, I, I you know when we like let's just take that as a staff level. Like if we hire somebody, like I, I really try to get the management team involved. Uh, the pastoral management team and to say, what do you think? Do you think this person is right or wrong for us? And I, I'm realizing that sometimes I can make real bad decisions in staff hires because I feel like, oh, this person is so great because they're so honest and raw and, uh, and stuff. But yeah, but I know you and I've had talks and conversations of other yeah. people mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we have had to do some things and I'm like, and you're like, why 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 peter did you have to bring yeah, this but it's person such an achilles the... heel for you it's such I a know. weird achilles heel like it's you horrible. just can't quit um and you but i will say just from my personal observation i think the time in which you decide to act has gotten shorter and shorter um whereas <laughs> earlier like years ago it would like the person would actually themselves have to decide to exit your life before you would give up on them and part of that is because i think you have such hope because I think it resonates personally with you. Like you're yeah. the OG, vulnerable, transparent Asian man, right? And so it's like, you don't wanna give up on them. Yeah. So I remember sometimes it would take a really <laughs> long time. Like we would all be like, PP, I think it's time. But it was just so hard for you. And yeah. again, part of that speaks to your compassion as a pastor yeah. and a shepherd and a friend, you know, like you want to, you're rooting for them. Like you're rooting for the underdog, you know? But then I think yeah. as a leader, I guess there's more responsibility um, to make sure the damage is lessened. You Absolutely. Know? Where do you think it comes from though? Like why, why are you so drawn to these? And it's always Asian. Like I feel like something about the Asian plays a role. You know, I don't know. is you know, it you? I, do you see yourself? You know, it's a great question. I never really fully processed that. I, I think I think where it comes from is simply this. I, I really believe, you know, 2 Corinthians 12, you know, 12, 9. I believe it to the to the core of my being. That is only within your weaknesses can will God's strength be perfected in you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so I believe that to my core. And you know, like I, I use this image a lot sometimes when I preach, but like you know, the X Men movies. You know, like in the beginning, like you know, these guys had these mutants had they saw themselves just as mutants, right? And they yeah. hid their abnormalities, yeah. and that's what we do. We hide our junk. We hide our abnormalities with the world. And when they did that, they lived very diminished lives. But once they were able to embrace their abnormalities, what happened? It it became supernatural. It became the X-Men. And so I just feel like, yeah, I just feel like if they can learn to harness that and and I feel like it's just so antithetical or just it's it's just we're just nat because of our brokenness, we're not wired to be open and share and be vulnerable like that. So when I see somebody and they're very open and vulnerable, mm-hmm. it just mm-hmm. like I go like and and Korean men in, in particular, because yeah. Korean men <laughs> I mean, this is like, we, we just struggle with this so much. I'm always like, I'm almost like goo goo gaga. I'm like, oh my yeah. God, this is amazing. And I'm like, I got to get together with that guy. And, and, and this is the thing. Don't, don't ever be manipulative if you're listening. But like, for me, like I want to always get together with somebody. If they're like sharing something and I'm like, wow, that's powerful. Okay, man, let's, let's, let's go and, uh, you know, let me get to know that person more, you know, that way. So I'm always interested. It's like, if anything, it's like the bait. You know, and I'm always going to bite it. I'm going to bite the hook every yeah, time. And it's, you know, a lot of times I think, I, you know what? To be fair, once again, to be fair, you have, I think, a really uncanny, intuitive ability to hire some really good hires. Um, like you? Yes, like me, even though, yes. You yeah, were an like, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. thank you. There you go. You're growing okay. girl. <laughs> you were an amazing <laughs> hire. No, because I just suddenly remember how you hired me. <laughs> 
<laughs> like I was literally a funny story. I was sitting at my desk at Columbia Presbyterian and you got an email from Pastor Peter and he's basically like, hey, do you No, He goes, can I call you in 15 minutes? I'm like, <laughs> OK, I was like, sure. So he, I have no idea what he's calling me about. He calls me. Literally, this is how the conversation went, because remember, Pastor Peter has a very short attention span. He goes, <laughs> hey, hey, so do you like your job? I'm like, yes. He goes, okay, okay. But um, do you want to quit and come work for the church? <laughs> That's literally the pitch. You that thought he you gave thought me. I was crazy. You thought I was, was crazy. Literally. And then I said, well, okay. I was like, can we have a conversation? I was like, can we talk a little bit more? You're like, okay, let me, I'll email you a few dates. So then you email me, and you. This is so funny. You emailed me and you said, let's meet on Friday. You can pick the food, but I really want steak. So I would like to go to Noches. <laughs> I said that. And I said, I you just said I could pick the place, but then you told me you want me and you want to go to Noches. And then that Friday morning, you emailed That's again. Right. That That's Friday right. morning, you emailed and you said, hey, so I just had steak yesterday, so we don't need to go to Noches. You can pick for real. <laughs> oh my God, I remember that. I'm That's like, so do I want to go work for this guy? <laughs> I know. I, I already had like two strikes against me. I mean, it's just, it it's, so you know, funny. it was only God that allowed this to happen because that's crazy. But no, so going back to the topic, you know, I don't want to discount the fact that you are really good with having a radar for good hires. It's just, I think your one blind spot when it comes to that really is yeah. when, you know, you said take the bait, right? Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's literally bait. It's not even a real worm. It's like a fake gummy worm. Mm. But even as long as it jiggles like a worm, you'll still be like, yep, there it is. There's my guy. There's my guy. And it's like, but that's not even a worm, PP. That's that's plastic. That's a, that's a major blind. That's a major weakness in a blind spot. And I have to be careful with that because I know, you know, even recently, Sua, we got into trouble with that a little bit. You and I together. Yes. I, I got you into trouble with that because, you know, I implicated the both of us because of that decision I made. And, yeah, and, and I, I can't totally disagree with Pastor Peter because I have a thing. So again, we can unpack that another time. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have some real life oh, examples. Oh my yep. goodness. Okay, yep. okay. All right, I'm ready for mine. You ready for mine? Let me get the Kleenex again. Yo, we're, uh, this 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 might be deep. This, is gonna, this, this could be you hating me, all right? Uh, I, you may, I may not be one of your favorite people anymore after this. Okay, let's talk <laughs> about your, your desire to want to please people. Okay. okay, let's do it. Let's unpack that because you know in let's the previous podcast you said that you are a total yes, people pleaser. Mm -hmm. um, um, let's go a little deeper into that. Let's go. You know, I, I know you agree that you are a people pleaser. I think we all are people pleasers. But have you ever thought about um, what that has done to you? Like, have you ever thought about the side effects of that of being a people pleaser? Yes. So okay, you know what? what, what this that? week. So remember, I said I'm an Enneagram one, and I like to be above reproach. Yeah. So yeah. in anticipation of this episode, I I went through mm -hmm. the list of all of the possible things <laughs> that say. you could say. Um, like I made a list of all of my own personal. You think <laughs> you Pastor crazy, Peter's girl. list of 121 blind spots that I have for him is long? I, mine is like 500. So I, you know, it's like I hit every <laughs> single possible one so that I could have a defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, because yeah. this is what we do as Enneagram ones. But I was I've discovered something that I had not thought about for a long time which is that I'm extremely rejection sensitive. Um, mm -hmm. I have extreme rejection sensitivity um, to the point. And I remember I, I was sitting in the car and I said to John, do you remember when we were dating the first time and I was 17, I couldn't call him in case he didn't pick up. Th this is going to sound so strange because I felt like him not picking up my phone call was a rejection. So I would only call him if I would say, hey, I'm going to call you at 530 today. Make sure you pick up. 
because I couldn't handle him missing my phone call because okay. I thought that was a rejection. Okay, so listeners, what I want you to realize is this. Okay, so when Sua says something like that, one of the best questions you can ask her then is this. What's underneath that? Right. Why are you so, why are you so afraid of rejection? Um, what, 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 what's underneath that? There's something deeper that caused that to happen to you. Yes. So, what, where, where? so remember, I, I figured that. So I said to John and John said, I actually do remember that. Like I totally forgot about because I'm not like that anymore. You know, yeah, if, yeah, if yeah, he misses yeah, my yeah. phone call, I'll just call him 10 more times and yell at him on the voicemail. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like that anymore, yeah. but that was me at 17. And clearly okay. I've evolved as a person, but it's still sure. there like versions yeah. of it are still there dormant, right? Still dictating some parts of my life, uh, maybe not in as obvious ways. And so I really thought about this and I realized mm -hmm. it might have something to do with this very formative experience that I had when I was a kid. Um, I know this is like psychotherapy now. I this just need a important. couch to recline this, no, no, on. Let's, let's, no, so we're, let we're me tell you. Okay, so to do this. Yep. when I was in, uh, when I was living in Guatemala, I had, I went to a very, very small Korean church and there were um, four of us who are very good friends. But I would say it was mostly three friends that out of the four that were really, really tight. Okay. Um, and one of them ha happened to be my best, best friend. Um, but remember, it's a very small community. We had like 100 Koreans in Guatemala in 1988. So it's, wow. if you have a church inside that, it's like 30 people, right? It's right, like, right. It's one large family. So we were super close for like three years. Mm. And then right around the three year mark. So two other friends were a year and two years older than me. Um, and we used to do everything together. Okay. And I, I guess I was what, like 10 ish, nine, maybe nine. We did everything from like five to like eight, nine. And then they started like, kind of, I don't know what the word is in English, but they just started kind of like not including me. Mm. Um, like very subtly, it wasn't like a like an obvious, like, no, we can't have you. But I just noticed they started doing things on their own and not mm -hmm. including me on Sundays mm. or like, or like church. Well, not just Sundays because Koreans go to church Wednesdays, Friday nights, Sunday evenings. Absolutely. <laughs> so there Absolutely. was a lot of occasion or Koreans go on Saturday. Country, yeah. Um, yeah. So church was our life. Right. So I just noticed, and you know, your kids are not stupid. Like you kind of notice when they're treating you a little sure. bit differently and you know, something's happening, but you don't really have the words to explain what's happening. And then um, it all culminated basically one Sunday and um, we were at, after church Sunday, we were at like the educational center, like the community center that was like attached to the church. And she, they sat me down in a room and they literally said to me, we don't want to be your friend anymore. <laughs> mm. Which is like so crazy, right? Like they literally just had the guts to just sit me down and straight up tell me, we don't want to be your friend, friend Why? anymore. What was the reason? Because you're too young and immature because we're two years older than you. And we, we want to wow. do big girl things and you just are not ready for that. So we just can't be your friend anymore. Whoa. And um, yeah, and I remember it was- Wait, so it, your best friend was a part of that group that said that to you? They were both my best friends. Wow. This was my crew. Like this is a crew that I spent three full years of my entire life doing things with. Like going over each other's friends' house, like all the time. And you know what's crazy is like, gotcha. in that moment, I actually didn't, I remember like I can play it like a video because it's burning yeah. my brain. And I remember yeah. they said that and they said to me, you can cry if you want. Like that's literally what they said. They said, you can cry <laughs> if you want. And I, I went, I did a fake cry and, and then I stopped and I said, I'm just kidding. Hmm. You're trying to help them to see like, this is not bothering me. 
Yes. Yeah. But yeah. I think I remember it slightly differently because my mom was really mad at them for a really mm -hmm. long time. Talk about mommy's unforgiveness, right? I yeah. had forgiven them. I thought I forgave them pretty. You know what? I want to say I forgave them. They actually both wrote me letters years later saying, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, but I forgave them. But I think I don't, I think I've repressed a lot of those things because my mom was really mad at them for a long time. And she once told me like years later, like you cried yourself to bed for like a year. Your and mom I don't said remember that to you. That. Yeah, but I don't remember that. Like, I don't ah. remember crying myself to bed or to sleep. Wait, what's the saying? I don't remember doing that, mm. but I guess clearly it was a lot more traumatizing for me than I remember in my memory. Mm. But I think even if in my brain, I kind of blocked it out, I think emotionally it's still there, right? Like the damage is still, the scars are still there, even if I don't cognitively remember. And I think that kind of impacts the way I form relationships. And then once I form them, maintain them, you know? This yeah. is probably is very straight. It's a very straightforward case. Freud would be like, this is very well, boring. No, it's not. It's, it's actually Total cause and effect. It, it, it's immensely you fascinating know? to me. Um, so here, a couple things that I'm getting from yeah, this. Well, first yeah. of all, Sua, in terms of like family, like mother, father, uncle, cousins, whatever, you never had, did you have any traumatic relationships or any encounters with them that ever happened in your life growing up prior to this happening with these girls that told you they don't want to be a friend anymore because you're too young? So have you had any type of stuff like that any type of relative encounter that was in, that was really traumatic in some ways for you growing up no i mean you know okay. i don't think again now i don't trust my memory like so that was one of those well, you things. have exceptional memory though that's the no, thing but, but like, see that's so but when my mom told me that i cried myself to sleep for oh, like a year yeah. and i literally couldn't remember that granted yeah. i was like what eight years old yeah. you know so maybe that's just because i was young but in my memory, I don't remember that being such a loss that I grieved, but I guess I, it was. So now yes. I'm like not completely 100% trusting my memory on all these things because yeah. who knows what happened and I don't know. But I don't remember anything. Traumatic. Yeah, well, so, so you know, you know this, you should know this, but the ages of eight to 13 are like mm -hmm. the most formidable years of our lives. Mm -hmm. What happens in those years will basically dictate how we live our lives as an adult. Yeah. Cause that's like the foundation building years of you build your spine for your life, like during, during those years. Mm -hmm. So that was a definite, that was an earthquake event that happened to you. Like literally an earthquake event that happened to you, um, that you don't fully process and remember. And you know, I, don't, I, the reason why I find it so fascinating, Sua, is that uh, that that's not normal? Is that you forgave them, and I and it sounds like at least what I'm hearing is that you forgave them quickly. Yeah, so I did not hold on th to that. That's that, that's not normal because these are your best friends, and these are people that were that were your community, your tribe, and they say, "Hey, we don't want to be your friend anymore because you're too young." All right, that's incredibly painful, and then they said to cry. And you were trying not to show feelings in front of them. You pretend that you're like, I had no, it's all right. Don't worry about it. And so what, what, what there is, and this is just me and I'm not a therapist, but, but this is, <laughs> this is why go. I find yeah. this so interesting is that, um, and this is why I wanted to bring this up to you mm -hmm. because I feel like perhaps maybe, maybe you fear intimacy. Maybe you really fear having people see how you really feel about certain things. And so like mm -hmm, that case mm -hmm. in point with those girls, yeah, yeah. you were really devastated by it because you still remember like it was yesterday, but then you pretended to cry and you wanted them to see, you know what? No, I'm cool. 
But intimacy would mean you guys are really hurting and destroying me right now. So, and you didn't want them to see that. This is very interesting because I really wish I could go back and actually remember yeah. correctly. I don't think, again, this is what, like literally 30 years ago, right? So I don't remember exactly what my intentions were, but it was more like I was trying to laugh it off. And you're right, right. maybe it was right. I was trying to pretend. But here's where it's an, another interesting um, plot twist to the story, um, which I think is also telling of how I live my life or try to live my life because, again, I'm a one, so I'm trying to be a good person. Yeah. Fascinating story that happens is, remember one of the girls was two years older and the other girl was one year older, okay? Mm-hmm. When the girl... The oldest girl turned old enough to go to youth group. The other one got left behind. Mm. Uh, this is like a plot twist, right? And she ditched the other one. Uh, and do you know what happened? She had no friends. Wow. And so do you know who she came to? You. Me. And did you and I had already her? had a bunch of friends. So I had yeah. made a bunch of new friends. At yeah. that point, I was like playing soccer every Sunday because football yeah, yeah. is a very big thing in Guatemala. Football. So a lot of us were playing soccer. Um, yeah. I was part of the soccer crew and I had a lot of like co-ed friends that I had made. And um, I remember she then got left behind because youth group was doing their own things, right? And she was still yeah. in the Sunday school. She had no friends because that was her world. Wow. And she came crawling back to me. I mean, okay, that sounds terrible, but- Wait, did you, did you receive so, her back? So literally, again, I remember sitting there and make, trying to make a decision. Like, what am I gonna do, yeah. right? What am I gonna do? And I really wanted to do the right thing, right? Yeah. I wanted to be a good friend because I didn't want to be the kind of friend she, she was to me. Yeah. So I remember being like, I'm gonna accept her back. And yeah. so she became part of my crew. Wow. Um, but I guess, I guess maybe the, the way that played out is then I kept my distance, right? Because yeah. I can forgive you and I can accept you back, but it yeah. doesn't mean that I'm gonna have the same kind of investment in you that yeah. I did before you hurt me yeah. because you really hurt me. So maybe that kind of became a um, formula for how I do my friendships in general. Mm. Do you know what yes. I'm saying? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yes. Wow, yeah, you know, and man, what you should have done, Sue, is when they told you they don't wanna be your friends anymore, you should have just gotten a stick and cummed all their boobs. <laughs> Oh, you didn't know it? Oh, yeah. No. That was You'd be like, all right. all right. Anyway, uh, no, I, I don't want to joke. I shouldn't yeah. be joking about that. No, it's fine. Uh, but, you know, um, like, I just I just find that to be, like, so incredibly sad. Um, you know, kind of like, you know, it's somebody who cares for you and loves you. Like, to, to go through that as an eight-year-old in a small little Korean community where your three best friends told you they don't want to be your friend anymore just because of your age. You know, you're smart enough, I think, to like internalize it. Well, maybe it's more than just my age. Who knows, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think it's just age. That makes no yeah. sense. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the fact that yeah. the fact that your mother was so angry was because if she did see you cry every day for like a year, yeah. could you just yeah. imagine how? Yeah, like, I do now. That as a parent, my, if that happened to my daughters, yeah, and 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 my my girl was crying every day like for a period of time. Man, I I don't know how I would be able to deal with that. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm -hmm. And so the anger to me is justified there, you know, and stuff. But I think I think what I, this is just me trying to just go deeper is that what I hope um, might have happened. I mean, hope that doesn't happen is that you don't have to live your life searching for the approval of other people or being afraid of rejection mm -hmm. from your closest friends, because hopefully you can get to a place in a relationship with them, you know, with John, with your kids and all that stuff where you can just be who you are. And even though you're not the best version of yourself sometimes, it's okay. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? That、yes. you don't have to feel like I have to be the best version of myself all the time. That you give yourself room to fail, but also the time. The the, the reason why I feel like this could be、um, a thing is that when we when we live our lives wanting to you know、um, please somebody or being afraid of rejection, then what that ends up doing at the end of the day is that we don't have an intimate relationship with ourselves. What do you? I don't know if that, that makes sense. Explain it. Because if you can't fully be who you are, you're denying a part of who you are. And、mm-hmm. when you're in relationships with people, and you don't have those deep, vulnerable relationships where you can just be honest, you know, with yourself about yourself to others and, and different things, sometimes it comes off. It can it can come off very hurtful, you know. And、um, and 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 what it does is that you're not able to fully process what you're going through. And like, kind of like case in point. And I know you were young, but you're saying like, I didn't even remember crying for the past year.、Mm-hmm. That's、mm-hmm. because you denied. You like, you probably thought like, I gotta forget this, and I just gotta, I gotta be this happy Sua person.、Mm-hmm. And if you go on your whole life doing that, you know, because people see you as this amazingly charismatic, you know, you're loving. These are all great stuff, but I just want you to know that there needs to be room for you. To be angry, be upset. There needs to be room for you to love somebody enough to pull them aside and say, "Listen, I love you enough. I'm going to share this with you. And listen, if you don't, that's fine. You know, take it for what it's worth. But I think that's important、um, because I think that you know that experience says a lot about perhaps maybe why, yeah, you, you've become like this people pleaser. We all are, but my fear and is that you know, or my hope is that you don't get to that place. And I think there's a deeper sense there. Maybe God may want you to go in your relationship with Him,、mm-hmm. but also in your relationship with yourself, and being able to go deeper in that, and、um, and being able to be your true, true, full self, warts and all. You really like to talk about warts. What? No warts offense to people who really、all. have warts. You know, <laughs> that's like a Korean、yeah. person's nightmare, right? Because Koreans love dermatologists and、oh、and、Lord. skincare, and we just want all our warts removed. So yeah, yeah. But I don't know. So、uh, yeah. I don't know. What,、uh, th- that's just my thoughts on that one. But yeah, what do you think about that? Yeah, no. I mean, I definitely am not the most emotional person.、Um, I mean, one time our you know our previous guest speaker Jen and my best friend said to me like, "But don't you feel like emotions?" And I said, "Well, yeah. I mean, I feel happiness. Like I feel joy, and I feel rage. Like those are literally、mm-hmm. my most defining yeah feelings. Yeah. I don't really think I have many feelings in between. Yeah." Um, you know, I'm not like a very jealous person. I'm not like a very、yeah. sad person. You know,、um, but like I do feel joy and I feel rage. Those are basically、yeah. my two <laughs> feelings that I feel. <laughs> so, so I guess the, the like I'm the, stunted in my emotional well, development. No, no, no. So, so that that's really that's really important because you feel joy and then you feel rage. The reason why you don't feel the in between is because you don't feel like you hold it in so much that there's a point where it gets too much and then you get rageful. Yeah, I think you know? that's what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So、yes. in order to be in order to be fully human, you have to be able to embrace all the emotional faculties of who you are. Because God I is sad. But I think I'm stunted. Yeah, so stunted emotional. So, so、uh, um, I'm, I'm gonna just be very honest with you. Like、spectrum. as you were sharing, I, yeah, yeah, as you were sharing about your upbringing and what happened to you with these friends. Like actually, my heart broke for you. Like I was getting very emotional. Like just like being like, "Oh my goodness!" Stop it. No, that explains.、Worried. No, I'm serious. I'm keeping it one hundred with you, <laughs> and I felt really bad for you. Like I just really did feel bad for you because I think that was a, a an earthquake event. That is, in many ways, this is kind of this is if I'm gonna go deeper and under, like for you to process this, it's preventing you from having an intimate relationship with yourself because you're preventing yourself from experiencing the other emotions. Because you won't let yourself experience that, and then when that happens, it, it, the casualty is that 
you can't really have intimate relationship with everyone. Because if you can't have an intimate relationship with yourself, how can you have an intimate relationship with like you know like your family members, you know your husband, your kids, your friends, you know? And then God. Wait, so do you think I don't have intimate relationships with my husband? Yes. Yes. Do you think it's it's, I, I, it's I like think, no 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 you guys semi intimate? An, you guys have an intimate relationship, but I think it can go much deeper. Mm. It can go much deeper, and it can be even more. It can be even better. Um, I you know I'm not saying you don't have intimate relationships with anyone, but I think you you have a certain threshold, but you're not willing to go even deeper. You know what? You I have will to. say I I think I know how that plays out. Um, Interesting. I will tell you what you know. So again, going back to my friend Jen, since we're on the topic again, she will sometimes say. I had no idea that's what you were going through at that time, but now you're yeah. telling me that it was really hard, but that was five years ago and I was your friend and you never told me. Yeah. Um, same thing with yeah. my husband. I won't tell him yeah. if I'm going through like a real crap time. Yeah. And you know what? I think, um, but it's, it's all multi-layered, right? Because it could be because of that, but it's also partly because of the pride thing that I've inherited. So these things are all conflated with each other, like, unfortunately, because like they all play out. So I don't think I can singly attribute it to that one incident that happened with yeah. my friends. I think part of it also comes from my mom, who also never shared weaknesses. Like weakness was yeah. like vulnerability was weakness. Right. But it was a bad weakness. It wasn't like yeah. a good weakness, like the weak pastors. It was like a yeah. bad thing. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's pride. Like I will mm. not show weakness. And yeah. then I think add to that the rejection sensitivity, yep. it just becomes like a monster of a thing. Right. And so right. I don't like sharing. I can share them later, but I don't like sharing things yeah. in real time. So the know. goal so the goal yeah. is for you to share it in real because you know the reason why you're afraid to do that is because you don't know how is because when you do that, you're afraid of losing control. And you have to be willing to go there because the real time is where the healing begins and the mm -hmm. healing can happen mm -hmm. so that you can go deeper and more intimate with people um, and with God, with yourself and things like that. And so, my, you know, I guess that would be it. Like it's, it's feel, feel it in real time and share it in real time because what those kids said to you was, is incredibly damaging. You can cry if you want. Like, oh my God, like that. I, I know, isn't know. that kind of mean? That, that, <laughs> That's that is, really mean. That is almost demonic, you know, because in many ways they're challenging you and they know this is going to destroy your life. Yeah. And then you had to flip it because you were being so hurt by them rejecting you. You're saying, ha ha, oh yeah, I'm just joking. I'm, I'm pretending I'm yeah, crying. Yeah, you know what? This I doesn't... actually never thought about what they said because it was just that, like, this is how I that, tell the story. Sua, you have no idea how weird that they said that. Sua, you have no idea how incredibly damaging that was to you, that that moment. And then you just yeah. pretended to cry even though you were really crying inside, but then you couldn't force yourself to be but you know, a human well, okay, being to, well, can I to say, lament and cry. Yeah, I actually don't even think I was crying inside. I actually... My feeling, if, if my memory is yep. correct, it, I was relieved. Like I was actually relieved because mm. I had been suspecting it all along. Uh -huh. and they just hadn't uh -huh. said it to me. And uh -huh. I think that was the moment when I had closure because I was actually like, you know what? I'm done. And okay. I never hung out with them after, right? And I think in a way, I, I remember if, again, if my memory is correct, I remember it being a feeling of relief that it was yeah. finally being addressed because it had yeah. been a year plus or minus of me feeling like I was being excluded, but nobody was yeah. like, it was being invalidated, right? Because it's like, I feel like I'm crazy because is it in my head? Like, am I crazy? And then finally, when they said to me, like, yeah. I don't want to be your friend anymore. Like, we don't want to be friends with you. It, at least it was being like actually said out loud and identified. So, so I, you know, this is my last thing I, I, I want to 
in, like encourage you to do mm -hmm. you know this week if you can uh, particularly when your kids are in school and, and you just have a moment where you know no one's going to bother you turn your phone off and what i want you to do is i want you to go back there to that moment mm -hmm. eight, when you were eight years old to that exact scene because you remember like it was yesterday and i want you to relive that moment and i want you to look for where jesus is at that moment when they said that to you where jesus is yeah you got to look for jesus at that moment because you got to invite the holy spirit because that moment did a lot more to you than you really give it credit for and i want you to like ask and i want you to see if you can find jesus and just go there and and you know this is good because no one's going to be around you just let the spirit Hopefully. minister to you mm. in a deep way and he will show you things sua you totally forgot he would show you stuff like you're gonna be like oh my gosh like i can't believe that now, now i know why my mom said i cried every day for a mm -hmm. year mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff but there needs to be some deep healing there so that you know you can live even a more bountiful life that you have now but the bountiful life happens when you can feel all the emotions not just rage and happiness, but everything. It's like Inside yeah. Out. You know that movie Inside Out? I only have yeah, the anger and the exactly. joy. <laughs> that's, that, that, that movie. But the hero oh. of that movie is sadness. Yes. So, sadness yeah. is so important to mm -hmm. feel because God, God gets sad. Yeah, you gotta lament. Yep. Lamentations, so, yeah, so, man. Yeah, you are, yeah, you are not affirming part of you being created in the image of God when you're not experiencing yeah. the, no, all I the emotional faculties. So anyway, that. no, I think that would be something for you to think through and perhaps maybe just process. And I'd love to get an update on that stuff. And I will continue to do some of that stuff on my end. There's some things you share with me. But, uh, but then, you know, I, I expect you to help me with some of those. I, w I won't make big decisions, especially when it comes to Korean men, uh, unless I ask you your advice <laughs> Also, on that. I'm surprised you said you were going to go for the kill because that's only number 17 on my list of 500. No, no. This, <laughs> so. that, outside of everything else, Sua, I mean, honestly, those are the only thing. I think the second, that one I just mentioned to you, I think that to me is so big. Like, and, and this is, and I don't want to over-spiritualize it, but I actually really did pray for you this week, and I was in silence, and I said, God, could you help me? Just did you really do silence or did you go to CVS? <laughs> <laughs> I, I promise you, CVS isn't open at five o'clock in the morning. Okay, so, okay. But, but I really did process and I said, you know, I don't want this just to be like a drill, but, you know, help me, you know. And, and I just felt like there was something there that's deeper, but really what I felt was that it's actually preventing you from getting more intimate with yourself, you know, because that's the biggest casualty because you feel like you have to, you know, yeah. make people happy and, and, you know, put on a happy face. And that's it. So well, I and just then won't I think, invest because I don't want to be rejected. Yeah. I only give a certain degree so yep. that I can't get hurt if they leave. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And there's, there's, you know, and we all get hurt. It's all part of it, you know, and stuff. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunately, it's the part of life. But any of it, yeah. Maybe but, you that's know, why John had to stalk me for like two years before I finally, you know, because I was like, if this guy's going to stalk me for two years, clearly it's a safe bet. Right. And, and then he, <laughs> he broke up with you before. Remember, he broke up with you. So that's you probably true. hurt by that. And you're like, shoot, I you better know. pursue me for two years. I know. See, it's, it's, look at that. It's all, all right. a pattern. It's a motif that keeps reappearing there throughout you go. my life. There you go. Well, yeah. listen, we have really processed this. Uh, we have gone, you know, a lot longer. Um, and I think that's okay because this is an important one to kind of unpack. But Sua, thank you for being so humble and receiving. Thank you. Uh, this. You are amazing. <laughs> And, uh, you know, listen, guys if you, and gals, if you have any feedback, feel free to share that with us. We'd love to hear from you. Go to weekpastor.org and you can, you know, send us an email, leave a feedback there. But I just want to thank you so much for listening and uh, hopefully you'll tune in next week. Bye.